You are listening to OPN Ask an Angel podcast, brought to you by the Supporters Fund, powered by OPN. Listen to the fireside chat with top angel investors, learn from an angel, and grow your company. Welcome, everybody, to OPN. And today it's OPN Ask an Angel, our 76th OPN event. Uh, Very exciting day today. Uh, When we started um, the OPN Ask an Angel, uh, we have been running these every two weeks and uh, including all of our other programs. So we're very excited for uh, today. Uh, We have a fantastic investor and we're excited to dive right in. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Jennifer, who's a serial entrepreneur with an extensive knowledge of technology and consumer electronics industry, where she has more than 15 years of experience. Following a successful exit, she founded her most recent company, which collaborates with OEMs to execute market mergents, growth and support functions within North America. Jennifer has grown her investment portfolio to include primary med tech and early stage life science opportunities, where she aims to maintain an active investor role. She is a member of the York Angels Investor Network, which provides a supportive linkage between investors and entrepreneurs seeking early and mid-stage capital. And she was recognized as Angel of the Year in 2019. Jennifer is a graduate of the University of Toronto and holds an MBA from Schulich of business with a focus on entrepreneurial studies and financial strategy. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be here. Happy Monday. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, this this is fantastic. Sorry, I'm juggling 8 million screens here now. I'm trying (laughs) to uh, adjust to um, doing this all at one time. So thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Welcome, and thank you very much for taking the time today, Jennifer. So the first question I want to ask is, why do you invest? That's a great question, Jeffrey. And um, I think understanding kind of what goes on behind the scenes is not just a, a return, but there are many other things that happen um in the mindset of of an angel investor in particular um that really guides them to to invest and at least for me i grew up in a very entrepreneurial family and immigrant family as well and as an entrepreneur myself i've seen a lot of things um that you experience firsthand um the bad the ugly essentially um and i feel that the entrepreneurial spirit and energy is really contagious it's kind of exhilarating it's very thought-provoking um I believe startups and the startup ecosystem is where a lot of innovation happens, um, where things are limitless, where you get to really push boundaries and think outside the box. um, And you become happily accountable for the good um, and difficult things that come along with it. So I guess um, really being part of that energy is really soul satisfying. So I think that's one of um, the driving factors as to why I invest. That's awesome. And it's, uh, it's a, a very good position to be in where uh, you're not just looking at this as a financial piece, you're looking at how is it going to better the economies, how is it going to help other people, and take the knowledge that you've gained over the years and really help uh, push other people and their business to grow and move forward. So yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, how did you get started in investing, I guess, would be the next follow-up to that. Sure. Um, So my current company is focused in the consumer electronics space. And as I was looking for ways to grow my business, um, I wanted to really reach out to um, the health related um, 
technologies and health related uh, equipment. And so I stumbled um, within the medical device space and spent a lot of time looking at opportunities um, for my company, but as well opportunities within the startup ecosystem uh, from an investment perspective. And that's how my first um, investment evolved and um, started to look at other medical device companies. And then it sort of snowballed. So you end up being a part of a lot of um, industry related events and meet a lot of amazing people. And somehow, some way, um, got into some life science opportunities, more of the early stage um, therapeutics in particular. Um, and alongside of the uh, amazing resources I met along the way, um, whether they be individuals, scientists, doctors, um, and other groups that focus in these areas, they've allowed me to make some pretty um, interesting uh, business decisions. So it wasn't a really um, common path, I'd say, but an interesting path nonetheless. No, I like that. And, you know, sometimes we fall into things that we fall in love with and enjoy that we've got to keep doing them because they help fuel everything else around you. So what is your favorite part of investing? What do you really enjoy the most uh, when you're working with companies and founders? Sure. Um, this is um, really interesting. So I would uh, consider myself to be a really curious person. I like to learn. I think knowledge is power. Um, and so that being said, um, being an investor allows you to be part of many journeys that you may not have otherwise been able to be a part of um, firsthand, let's say. Um, so simultaneously, you really get to engage in different opportunities and experiences. You get to learn about emerging technologies, uh, about different industries. You get to capitalize on your expertise and share that knowledge as well. And I think above all, you really meet amazing like-minded people along the way. And, um, and it sort of just breeds uh, more of that. And you kind of, ref you're a reflection of who you surround yourself with. So I think it really encourages that learning cycle, that continuous learning cycle. So I think that's the most exciting and my favorite part of, of investing. And I have to agree with you on that. I, I also enjoy the learning aspect of working with so many great entrepreneurs. So I think that's a, a great piece to, to keep in mind that when you are uh, making these investments that you're learning at the same time on all parties are. So it's a great synergy to while you're working together. How many companies do you look at investing at per, per year? Do you have a quota uh, that you say, you know what, I got to do at least five companies a year, or you kind of just ad hoc this as you go? What is your uh, metric that you look for when you're working with companies? Sure. I think um, you don't really want to force, at least in my opinion, force an opportunity to meet sort of a, a benchmark criteria of what you want to achieve per year. I would say on average, I, I engage in about five per year. Um, uh, and that's kind of in light of the time I spend doing that and running my business as well. Um, and also kind of the trajectory of the opportunities that come your way and how engaged you are in looking at these opportunities. So I guess um, that's sort of what's in line currently with my efforts and, and energy in the space. That's fantastic. Uh, and it's a, it's a great number. It's my favorite number. So I love five. That's great. Um, any, uh, any you mentioned earlier in the bio and of course, um, in all of the talks that we've had over the years is that you do have a few verticals that you focus on. Is there a couple that you want to touch base on now to kind of give a better perspective of if I'm trying to uh, reach out to you, um, that I know that if I'm reaching out in these categories, that there's a better chance you'll pick this up. 
Sure. Um, I guess the verticals that are of most interest to me um, are health-related opportunities. Um, so the med tech, biotech, um, life science, um, more recently like blue biotechnology and how we use aquatic organisms for energy and food, etc. Um, that's really what I find most interesting. However, that's not to say that I would dismiss an opportunity in a different vertical. I've invested in other verticals and other tech related opportunities. Um, so a great opportunity is a great opportunity. Um, however, um, uh, that being said, I would say I'm sort of a generalist, but I have an affinity towards health related opportunities. Okay. And now that healthcare has kind of taken a bit of a turn uh, based on the circumstance, it seems to be that there'll be a lot more uh, openness, I think, to solve problems and open the, uh, the doors and the systems up a little bit more to start to take in some of these startups that are solving major problems that maybe before weren't as prevalent and easy to access healthcare, that I think there's going to be a lot of shift in that in the upcoming uh, months for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think uh, also kind of um, the way things have been shifted in light of, of what's happening um, overall is that it's also validating a lot of the telemedicine and more remote monitoring of things. So I think this shift has created a lot of, a lot of, valid of validity in the space, but also um, opened up many more opportunities as well. So I, I completely agree. So in this process, now you've been working with different startups, you figuring out which ones that you like, what things you like about them. You've got this excitement behind you uh, of why you like investing. Is there a certain criteria that you go through any in your due diligence that you have that you want to make sure that uh, before you make a commitment, you have these X criteria met? Yeah, so I guess things that I look for before committing um, in no particular order. Um, so some of the things that I feel are important are uh, traction in the market. Um, and this can mean a few things based on different industries. So essentially, um, this could mean uh, that you already have revenues or that you have a clear and proven MVP. Um, in the case of life science opportunities and sometimes with medical devices as well, um, we run into different challenges in terms of revenue. So having solid scientific data around that, um, having um, you know animal data in the case of drug discovery, for example, um, or solid um, clinical trial data, like all these things are important to demonstrate traction. Um, another thing I think that's really important to think about is scalability of an opportunity. So one of the things that is exciting to me and that gauges that is when you, you, know, you know you hear a pitch and my mind starts racing so you start to think of um, additional applications of the technology for example or other markets um, and to me that's exciting so when my mind's racing uh, listening to a pitch I think that's what really draws me uh, more to the idea um, the concept of understanding the competitive landscape, I think, you know, you can't dismiss that. Um, you need to recognize that. You need to know uh, what you're up against, um, how you really um, build a moat around what you're doing, what you do that's different. So acknowledging that is, is really important. So taking the time to understand that landscape. Um, the use of funds, I think, is is imperative. So if you're going to be raising um, a certain figure, it's important that um, what you're going to use those funds for is logical, that gives you enough runway for the right purposes, etc. Um, 
having some sort of sense of the founders having skin in the game, I think is really important um, that they've gone through sort of the natural cycle um, with um, fundraising through family and friends, um, that they've personally given time um, and financial resources to the business as well. And if they have current investors are readily, are ready, um, readily available to them for help, are they uh, value add investors and sort of how have they built that cap table essentially. Um, and I think in terms of, um, you know, delivering these messages and being readily available and accessible um, is important, but also having um, this information really handy. So if you have, um, you know, pitch decks for different audiences, sometimes it makes more sense to do that in life sciences because your audience tend to be different, whether you're at, you know, um, a scientific conference or pitching at a more um, tech related conference, et cetera, um, or having a teaser sheet, really know your audience and when you're delivering these messages and have them readily available to make the process as refined um, and efficient as possible. Okay, those are some, uh, those are some great points and uh, I was writing like crazy to get them all down, which uh, I think are uh, very valuable 100%. You mentioned things like scalability, uh, understanding the competitive landscape, uh, how you're going to use these funds, skin in the game by going to the extent of uh, doing that first round of funding with friends and family so that uh, it really de-risks the business. And I think the key to all of this is that how do you de-risk it to make it more palatable for an investor? Um, and then, of course, uh, mentioning that even going to the extent of how you build your pitch decks to make sure that they're audience ready. Uh, one thing that um, always becomes an interest is that there, those are really the material pieces of an investment. Are there other key factors that you look outside of uh, these pieces, um, the team, the CEO, like are there other things that you look for in the people uh, that are surrounding this business? Sure, and that's a, a really great point, Jeffrey. I think um, we've heard it time and time again. So I guess sometimes the message sounds old, but I'm gonna repeat it because it really is important. Uh, the team and leadership of uh, of uh, the startup is like imperative. So essentially no one, I guess the first thing is no one really wants to work with people they don't enjoy working with. And that works both ways, whether it be an investor with um, the startups and founder uh, or founders, but also with the investor that you're going to be um, working with. So that's important. So that the team has integrity, that they have agility, they're able to pivot um, effectively, that they're resourceful, that they surround themselves with um, leaders in the industry, that they have a team, a solid team around them. I guess if anyone has talked to me before, they can hear me preach time and time again about how important my team is and how invaluable it is. And, and it really matters to take the time to build um, the right energy around you. Um, so again, that goes to, to the team and leadership. So really that they um, understand um, all the stakeholders really around around their business and that um, they have really true grit. So when things are going well, it's easy to have passion. Um, but when things are not going that well, that they have perseverance to really navigate through those difficult times. Um, another thing that I think is really important is um, being really integrated within the ecosystem overall. So um, the companies that you know we've seen pitch before, we've seen them pitch before because they're really active in the in the ecosystem. So um, whether it be um, through case competitions uh, with angel groups and collaborative communities, um, that they're part of incubators or accelerators, 
um, that they're at industry related events and I would go so far as to even suggest being at um, industry events that may not be in your particular vertical, but you never really know who you're going to meet or what you're going to learn. Um, and I think the last thing that's important um, for me is uh, what other potential investors uh, think and have to say based on their expertise and their due diligence through the process. So um, the community is tight knit in that I believe and they're very collaborative. Um, and so I think that's important to note as well. That's uh, that's very good insight. I, I do enjoy the fact that you mentioned that you do have to have that perseverance and um, team is a big factor to how you run and build your organization. I know from the conversations we've had uh, over the, the long period of time or the years, I guess, I was always fascinated by the fact of how much um, you put in value towards your team. And I think that that is a huge piece that sometimes uh, business owners may forget uh, that they do need to lean on a fantastic team. And it's a, it's a really valuable uh, asset to have in anything that you do going forward. Um, and you mentioned a few other pieces around uh, different ways to learn from others uh, and pitch and get in front of uh, different groups as much as possible. Um, when you're now going into these investments, uh, to kind of revert back to the investment side, uh, do you look at uh, leading around? Uh, do you like to participate in a round? How do you see yourself um, in those investments? Sure. Um, I guess I've done a bit of both. Um, I feel that in the instances where I have led around, it's more because um, I know the technology well or have um, valuable insight to um, either the path, trajectory, or the nature of the business. Um, for the most part, though, in particular, the later stage or specialized science opportunities in a particular niche, um, I let those who are really well versed in that, some of the uh, VCs that also um, are colleagues in those investments to lead those rounds um, because they'd be really um, better suited to do so. So you kind of need to understand when it's meaningful, when it's useful, and when it's not. Okay. So while you're going through that, uh, do you find um, that you've built your own kind of criteria around the types of vehicles that you like to use for investment? Are you for safes, against safes, that kind of thing? What do you feel more comfortable uh, in making your investments through? Sure. I guess I, I'll start by saying um, in regards to safes, I have um, used safes uh, numerous times and um, I mean, there's a lot of debate surrounding that, but speaking for myself in particular, I'm kind of fine with that. Um, common shares, convertible debts are also pretty common, but I guess uh, sometimes you need to understand sort of the vertical and um, sometimes trendiness of, of, of a vehicle, but um, overall, um, I think it's case dependent and I'm not um, partial for any, but I think um, they all applicable in some instance. Okay. I think we might, we might have to uh, uh, share a little bit more on, uh, on that side of things when it comes into those vehicles, but there's pieces that get layered into the vehicle, and one of those usually ends up being a board seat. Is that something that interests you uh, on an investment again? Yeah, so um, I think it's something important to think about. So having a board as you grow your business is really important, and you want to have representatives um, to um, exemplify certain groups of stakeholders with, within the company and, and overall. Um, and it's something that I do for the investments that I'm more actively involved in. 
um, and where I can bring great value to the stakeholders that I represent. Um, so it's something that I encourage when I feel that it's valuable to, to the organization. Okay, perfect. So now that you've uh, um, looked at board seats, you've got your, your um, investment strategy set up, everything's kind of moving forward. Uh, is there, when you look at these startups and you're providing them with financials uh, or, or money to help them uh, move forward, is there anything else that you look at providing to these startups uh, outside of a monetary value? And there's no right or wrong answer. It can be just a monetary value, but I think you've talked a bit about uh, being able to get a little bit more deeper into that company and help them out. Maybe give us one or two things that uh, once you've made an investment, what things that you like to do to support uh, your financial investment? Sure. I think that's a great question. There's other ways um, beyond um, financial support that you can um, extend to, to growing companies to help them with their, um, with their growth. And I think uh, one of the things that um, is important to me and is proven useful is a lot of um, uh, introductions that we can, we can help with. So introductions to industry leaders, to potential clients, um, to uh, skilled team members and, and some of the human resource elements. Um, another thing that's um, really interesting is um, sharing our operational advice and procedural advice, just like the mechanics of things and how we get things uh, accomplished and completed. Um, a sounding board as you grow, um, as you pivot, you know, what, what's happening in the, in, the, in the industry overall, what's happening with the angel investment community, you know, what are people looking at, and being a good sounding board for, for those types of things or anything else in particular. Um, I think sometimes it's even something simple as just being present. Um, so um, if um, founders of an, a company I've invested in are pitching at a competition or they're presenting at a conference, just being there in the audience is super meaningful. And, you know, after that uh, pitch or that presentation, um, how awesome is it that they're able to introduce um, their investors to people that they've met at the conference or who are also in the room there. So sometimes being present is really valuable as well. I remember when we did our, uh, our pre pre um, interview discussion, uh, I think one of the things that stood out the most to me in the, our whole discussion about this, and I know we spent many hours deliberating and on the questions and everything else you wanted to go through, uh, was the fact that uh, you support your startup companies by going to events that they're going to participate at. And what I really liked about that is that it gives, it's a whole different value add to that startup. It gives them confidence that you're following them and that you're supporting them along their journey. And again, regardless of if it was financial or it was advising or mentorship or coaching, is that you're actually getting into the thick of things with them. And I think that makes a big difference to a startup to know that uh, this person has gone out of their way to take a few minutes to listen to them or meet them somewhere uh, with in front of a bigger audience. So I think that's fantastic uh, quality to have as an investor amongst all the other great things you're doing, but that one really stood out. So I just wanted to share that, but that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Thank you. So now you've kind of gone through all of these things. You've made the investments. You're supporting your teams. You're getting a lot of great value out of everything. It's moving forward nicely. Um, how do you look for your startups to communicate back to you? Because we know everybody gets busy. So is there a little regiment that you set them up with right away so that that way you're communicated to in two years from now? Or is it um, a chasing 
you know, how do you get that ball rolling and getting people comfortable to, to share and communicate? Yeah, great question. So um, having that open dialogue and transparency and communication on a scheduled basis is important. So let me focus on the scheduled basis first and then the ad hoc basis. So um, in a scheduled fashion, like I believe at minimum you're wanting to have quarterly updates of, you know, what's happening with the company, what's going on. Um, and reporting more often than that is totally welcome. Um, I think I want to talk uh, or spend more time talking about the ad hoc reasons why you update. Um, and I think um, the reason you should keep that dialogue open is because as um, things uh, happen, as you're growing, whether it be you know difficulties you're encountering or an opportunity you're encountering, I think investors want to help walk through those things rather than you know having everything kind of fall apart and we're picking up a million pieces. So if there's a problem, bring it up, reach out to your, your investment group to, to gain insights, to um, gain help with getting through some difficulties, but also celebrating those wins as well. So being more proactive rather than reactive. So I see that as a double-edged um, um, communication uh, route. So um, scheduled and also ad hoc. No, that's fantastic. It's kind of like you just appear out of the blue and you start giving them some great insight and feed them forward and uh, they start to see that value. And I, I think a, a lot of times when we get under duress, we sometimes don't realize that we have a great strong network behind us. Um, and those are the people that invest in you, but they're friends and family as well. And sometimes you do have to reach out uh, and be a little bit vulnerable for them to step in and help. But sometimes, like you said, you can be more scheduled and making sure that you're still part of that mix, even if they're afraid to share something, you're still part of it and you can slowly help coach them to open up that information. So uh, that's a, a great way to keep everybody intact and, and learning and moving forward, as you mentioned earlier. So based on the, the markets that we're currently in right now, um, have you seen yourself or investors around you pull back in any way or just reevaluating or try to support their current uh, investments? How have you started to look at the landscape over the last couple months? Yeah, and we all know that the landscape has changed drastically over the last few months in particular. Um, I guess overall it seems um, from my perspective that investors are still in a position to invest. However, they're looking, um, I guess, treading more carefully. They're looking um, at opportunities more cautiously, um, looking at opportunities that have a lot more traction that are more comprehensive with um, their uh, current partners and their contracts, um, that they're a lot leaner and they have agility to really navigate through what we're experiencing now, but as other things come up, because I think we're more um, uh, partial to the idea that, you know, what about other things? And I think um, overall the mindset is in, in, in that sort of headspace. So deals may take longer to close in light of all these things. And maybe there may be more creative ways in which uh, terms are produced and being set uh, to, to navigate some of the changes we see. Uh, personally, um, what I mentioned resonates. However, um, I'm still actively looking at deals. Um, I kind of don't get tired of watching a pitch. Uh, so I, the more pitches, the better, I guess. Um, although I feel more inclined uh, within the health space, as we discussed earlier, um, I feel that that's an area where I'm going to continue spending uh, a lot of my time. I think it's uh, detrimental. Uh, but beyond that, there are other things that are important as well that could be quite interesting. Um, so, you know, 
food technologies and agriculture, you know, education and socialization related technologies and how we navigate a new normal. Um, uh, Blue biotech, I think is super interesting and FinTech as well, but um, I guess um, everyone is still active to varying levels, but the community is still looking at opportunities. And, um, and I think that's a good thing. 100% agree wholeheartedly and you're right. There's been some reductions and there's been a little bit slower process, but at the end, everybody's always looking to see how they can help grow in the community and help uh, early stage companies move forward. And being that you're an early stage company um, supporter and investor, um, is there anywhere that you feel um, startups or founders or potential founders should be looking to uh, reach out to, to find information on how they should structure their companies when they should take investment um, or even just interfacing with an angel investor that can help work them through this. Is there somewhere in there that you feel that um, is a good space or at least starting point for startups before they start um, say knocking on your door to speak to you? Sure. Uh, that's great. Um, I think being uh, connected to some capacity um, with uh, the angel community is imperative as you're, building your business for different reasons, not just because you're, you're fundraising. Um, so I think what to keep in mind, um, which I think is really important is most angel investors are actually entrepreneurs themselves. So um, they share similar experiences, similar challenges, similar wins, similar life lessons. Um, and sometimes these things can be stretched across different verticals and across the board. So it may not necessarily mean that an angel in your industry is like, that's it, that's your, your goal, but it could be others as well. So just keep that in the back of your mind. We kind of uh, fought similar battles. And, and um, so we don't just sit and criticize companies. We actually uh, say it from a background of having experienced that, but also wanting to help and give back. So don't be shy to reach out. Um, look to events um, that they're going to be participating in, whether they're on a panel, um, or whether they're judging a case competition and, and be present at those events, reach out to them after, um, introduce yourself. Um, look for references from other startups and who they reach out to for, for help. And usually it's those people that are already engaging in some capacity as an, an angel investor or a mentor for that matter are people who want to do that and are willing to do that. So that's probably a great start. Um, be a guest at an angel community meeting, see what the community is like, what the makeup of the, of the audience is like, look to what other companies are doing for their pitches and, and understanding sort of um, what's expected. Um, and remember above all that like we're paying attention, we wanna follow your journey. Um, and I think that's what makes it much easier to engage when you're ready for investment. Well, that's some great advice and uh... 100% will utterly agree that, the, that you need to attend places, meet people, uh, shake a hand three or four times and just keep going back so that that person will remember who you are, uh, but show that you're just as heavily invested in getting them to learn more about you as you are about them. And that will work uh, a two-way street when you're uh, out, get, out there pitching and sharing and, and doing all the great things that you do as a startup, but it's that hustle that gets everybody interested more into what you're doing. So we're going to kind of shift a little bit here and uh, we're going to look at uh, we have some questions that have come in um, through uh, the chat the chat side of things 
So uh, we've been receiving emails and everything. So uh, some of the questions we've already answered, but um, I do want to ask one question. And this was um, a question that came through uh, from Matthew. And uh, uh, Matthew, we've uh, known for a few years and uh, great supporter of, uh, all of everything we do. But at the same time, um, he has a startup and it happens to be in the healthcare space. So once uh, one of his questions was, once we're out of the weeds with this pandemic, do you anticipate that there will be a wave of support to modernize hospitals and other big bureaucratic health institutions? Thanks, Matthew, for the question. So um, in light of what we're experiencing now, I think there's going to be a real uh, large push towards the, I guess, modernization of some aspects of um, how hospitals are managed, how, how we communicate information, how we utilize virtual methods um, for patient care and patient support. Um, and I think what's also interesting beyond that is, and as I said earlier, is a lot of validity to some of the things that were kind of on the fence and how we navigate health and healthcare overall. Um, but I think what's going to be really interesting and uh, what I'm hoping to see is more of an international collaboration on how we navigate the health industry and the health space and how we work more together um, with um, uh, managing some of the challenges we see um, and some of the preventative but also reactive measures we need to take on more of a global level for for navigating the healthcare system and navigating um, any things that come up along the way. So I think there are going to be a lot of changes, a lot of positive changes, and I think um, the pandemic may have been kind of fire um, uh, under that, so a lot of fuel there. Okay. Uh, this next question is, uh, it comes from Ajuki, and her question is, what would it take for an angel investor to invest in science and technology geared towards the development of hair and beauty products for women of color? Thanks, Ajuki, for your question. Um, I think um, I spoke about some of the things that uh, are important when you're looking at an opportunity. So we talked about, you know, scalability, um, market um, fit, uh, tra uh, traction in the market, uh, understanding the competitive landscape. So I guess all of those things would apply to um, sort of opportunities across the board. And I think if you can demonstrate these things and there, there really is something of value there and it may not necessarily be something that someone is well-versed in or experienced in investing in or has kind of that track record in a space or a new space. Um, all the same, improving those things, I think you're able to still uh, justify that the opportunity is viable and that's an, it's an investable opportunity. So I wouldn't really change anything. Kind of the recipe of getting yourself ready and pitching that uh, opportunity is just the same and you will find interested investors. So it goes back to kind of your, your point before is that start to go to events. Um, and I guess at this point it might be a little bit harder, but still attend events and find out which investors have an interest in that form. They'll probably be the first ones that'll have uh, more impact for you because they've invested in the area or at least in that vertical. So which will help you uh, position yourself a little stronger. Um, but it doesn't mean you're not going to find an investor at any event. Uh, people are always interested to diversify, as you mentioned. And uh, I think that um, you can't give up and think that nobody wants to invest in you. There's massive verticals in all areas, uh, especially in um, the vertical of um, makeup for women of color. 
Uh, there's been a lot of uh, fantastic people that I've met over the years and I did meet an individual and she had already built up a base of over a half a million followers in her social feeds and she was creating makeup for uh, women of color. So I think that there's a lot of uh, good potential. There's a lot of great people out there that are doing great things and you need to find them and, and that they'll help you along your journey. Uh, the, next, uh, the next question I have is, um, is it good and valuable from your perspective for startups uh, to look at getting into accelerators and incubators? Uh, do these bring a lot of value when you're making a decision for an investment? Yeah, and I think that's an awesome question. Um, I really feel that uh, from my perspective, I've actually engaged more with and sought out in a proactive way, uh, incubators and accelerators to find deal flow. So um, some of um, my greatest investments have resulted from kind of making friends with the people at DMZ, for example, and, and really um, meeting some, some great companies. So I think it's an invaluable piece um, to really think about being a part of these um, communities and incubators and accelerators are great in that they're allowing you for um, access to uh, learnings, information, networking, um, support, um, and they build credibility within the community. So one good example is that um, if you're a life science company, being out of J Labs really brings a lot of credibility around that too. And then you meet like-minded companies as well. And I think I could go on and on. The list is really vast, but I, I'm a huge supporter of accelerators and incubators. And what is, uh, it, it helps again, de-risk the value um, to an investor. It helps really de-risk it. What are the key factors that these, I'm a huge fan as well, but what are the factors that these businesses bring to the startup? Is it, um, they understand, help them understand the market segment better. They help them really structure their MVP or is it just holding the skills in on process and speed to market. So learning how to work better in smaller teams and how to utilize the resources that you currently have. What are those pieces that you really think are important for a startup to think about when they're building their one man show and they've got to go into a second, uh, what does that process look like and how do they fill it? Yeah, I think it, it goes beyond the having lab space or workspace or, you know, uh, networking with other companies. I think it's, it's beyond that. It's, you know, helping you perfect your pitch, helping you um, really gain access to uh, others in the space that could be potential advisors. You look at like Creative Destruction Lab, for, for example, that has different verticals that focus in different pieces and they do rounds of, um, of meetings that, kind of guide you with particular milestones that you need to achieve. So I think it's, it's above and beyond that. If you look at um, yourself, Jeffrey with OPN, allowing for, for um, companies to really be supported in other facets um, that help them grow and obviously to get them to market as quickly as possible. I think the reality is in the right way with the right resources um, and the right guidance. Perfect. I like that. And I do, wholeheartedly agree that there's uh, a lot of value that they bring. Um, one of the other questions, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit from Tim, was um, in the social impact space or social uh, type of businesses, uh, is there a way that investors will choose to want to work and invest in a social um, property or business 
especially nowadays as things have been shifting so quickly, what is the way uh, that maybe somebody that is building a company in this space that could get you to be interested in it? And is it something that does interest you? Because sometimes when you're getting into these businesses, they are either non-for-profits uh, or they are, obviously they're out there doing a lot of great things, but they're finding a tough time trying to find investors. And we do get this question a lot is how do I get supported? And is that only through government? Is there any other way that I can get investors to also support me? Yeah, thanks, Tim, for the question. Um, I think that um, we have to always remember uh, that investors also uh, have the mindset around working alongside or investing in opportunities that um, have social impact. So um, it's not always the case that it's only for the return. So if you think about uh, at least for myself, some of the things that I've partaken in as an investor are because of um, the huge benefits that would come out of this as the project grows and as we go to market. Um, so kind of don't forget that um, the mindset of your company is being um, a company of social impact uh, as a goal is also a goal for many people. So I guess it's really finding those investors and um being connected within that group, really, you can leverage um, investment that way. So it's not just about the government grants or, or any other ways of getting other funding. But, um, but when that does happen, I mean, um, bringing those those two together is is essential, but they do exist. And you can find those people. They, they certainly do. And sometimes it might be um, people that are kind of at their later stage of investing. Uh, they choose to tend to pull back and want to do uh, more things outside of just um, making dollars. They're looking at figuring out how they can make uh, and do social goods. So uh, you certainly do have to, to look for those people. They're out there 100%. Um, and uh, investors, angel investors as well, everybody wants to do some good things. So I think it's them getting behind the CEO of the company. So it resonates 100% with what you're sharing. Uh, is there anything that you would suggest? Uh, Michael has a question. And it says, uh, what networking methods can best help a startup pivot to raising funds from a private investor with deeper pockets? Exact example, 100K. So I guess to paraphrase that, um, from, a, from a startup that's looking to pivot, and right now they are taking some investment, if they decide to make that pivot, uh, how do they get the support for that? And is it something that existing investors would look at helping with? Um, if not, how do they start to interest VCs where uh, they can get larger based uh, money coming in, especially if the pivot's generating a quick attraction or quick traction? Sure. Thanks for the question, Michael. Um, so what I would say is that um, your current investors are usually your front line in future investments. So they're committed as well. And as much as you want the company to be successful, so do they. Um, that being said, however, um, assuming the pivot is in a fashion that um, is reasonable and that is um, either necessary or kind of the right path, usually your current investors um, more often than not are your front line to be helpful for raising either a bridge round or getting you to the next step. Um, that being said, when you're looking at that transition from let's say angel investment to a larger VC round, um, I think 
really uh, reaching out to VCs that are in your particular vertical and really focused and have deeper pockets are where you need to go. Um, and a lot of times some of your angel investors are already connected with those individuals. So, um, uh, for example, some investments um, in, in the medical device space, for argument's sake, uh, as, a, as a good reference, are also uh, investments that VCs hold as well in that space. So I'd be able to make that introduction a lot easier. And because, you know, there's been a lot of historical working together, there's just a lot of trust and, and openness there. So I think moving that along would be a lot more simple um, and helpful. You got to really rely on your your network with your connections with your initial team of investors. And I think one thing that probably would stand out with with that aspect is that when investor comes in, there's a lot of discussion around smart money and taking money. And I think there's a, um, a really blurred line on what that actually means. And I think that when people do ask them looking for smart money, at the end of the day, people are looking for money. But what they're looking for is they're looking for a network an individual that can help them move quicker and faster. And I think sometimes we have to look at uh, when I do bring in uh, financials anywhere that it comes in, is that I take the time to sit down with every individual investor at that time, figure out what they know and figure out what they can help your business with. And once you've uh, been able to do that, you'll start to see that their network is made up of thousands of people. Your network is, there's a ways to actually bridge that out and start to make traction and inroads into other verticals, meet other investors, like you mentioned from a VC standpoint. And that's all gonna come over time. It won't happen on the same day that you start knocking on doors but, or start talking to the investor, but it's building that relationship up with your initial investor. And a lot of the time, if you treat those initial investors um, like you would treat your initial team, you'll find that as you grow, they'll continue to wanna grow with you and if you exit, they're going to be the first ones to step up and invest in you the next kind of company you're going to build because they've got such a, um, an admiration, if you will, and respect for what you did the first time that they're going to be the first ones in the second time. So there is a lot of value that you're going to get out of that initial uh, investor. So um, I one wholeheartedly agree with that. That's fantastic. So to kind of summarize all of this, we've gone through the whole journey of your, the investment side of things. And Jennifer, it's fantastic to, to learn more about where you've come from, uh, where you're currently at now. I think the last final question that I, I'll, I'll throw at you before we, we um, uh, end up uh, moving forward on this was, what is that transition? What does the next 12 months look like in the world of investing for you, but in general, I guess, also for everybody else? Where do you see things changing and, and where do you see it maybe netting out in the next three years? Yeah, I think um, great question how things are going to change um, in the next year as we move forward. I touched on a few of those points before. Um, I think deals are going to happen. They may be a lot slower than what we're used to. And maybe um, there's going to be an emergence of uh, verticals that um, are more meaningful in light of what's happening. Um, and I think people are going to be um, pushed, whether it be companies as well as investors, to kind of understand different spaces that they may not have otherwise understood. Um, so again, really uh, being open to learning um, as an investor about different areas and expertise, um, really aligning yourself with being able to participate in those opportunities, I think is important. But as a company, understanding that 
um, understanding how you make your current company relevant. But if you're a budding entrepreneur, how you start a company in an area that has a lot of impact and meeting um, and support. Awesome. Well, I would like to round it off by saying thank you very much for sitting down with us today and being our inaugural first live one-on-one -on -one, uh, interview. And I will say that this was a thousand times uh, more awesome than when we first did it. And maybe one day we'll post the first one out and we'll both be like, man, this one was not as good as this one. But yeah. uh, it maybe was... when we're 90. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll let it go very far out. But uh, I do, again, I appreciate, Jennifer, all of the time you've spent uh, sharing insight and everything that you've done. Uh, you're fantastic. And uh, thank you for sharing again. I don't know if you say that a million more times, but you were great. And uh, I believe that the audience is pretty happy as well for, uh, for everything you shared. And we look forward to having you join us again. And we will let everybody know when we're ready and share out uh, the interview. Uh, we'll probably do some uh, cuts and edits and, and send out some uh, pieces of this, but uh, very excited to have you again. And um, thank you everybody else for joining us. And if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, feel free to reach out to us at info at opm.ninja. Thanks again, Jennifer. Thanks everybody. It was a pleasure being here this morning with all of you.